Hello, everybody, and welcome to Art Drama Llama Season Two. Guys, we made it. Season Two. Woo! Woo! Okay. All right. Snaps. <laughs> but seriously, welcome back to Art Drama Llama, where we look beyond the galleries and dish on the art world's gossip, rivalries, and eccentricities. My name is Banshee. I'm Vartika. And I'm Sianja. And today, we're going to look beyond. Las Meninas by Diego Velasquez. So first, um, welcome to season two, guys. Um, we're talking about Las Meninas by Diego Velasquez. And so I'll start off by talking about the artist himself. He was born in 1599 in Seville, Spain, to a family of minor nobility. Um, he started off working as or his works started becoming more and more well-known as he, I don't know, went through his life and stuff. Um, he displayed a mastery of light and shadow. He had a flair for rendering the minute details of surface and texture. Um, and this was kind of reminiscent of something we call Chiascaro, but um, some of the Baroque masters like Caravaggio didn't have like the same, I guess, I don't want to say capability, but like I guess he kind of furthered their work in a sense. So it's like um, what Artemisia Gentileschi was doing, right? Like the contrast of lights with darkness and shadows to bring like a very realistic image forward. Yeah, that Manchi said it perfectly. Thank you, Manchi. <laughs> so Velasquez, Velasquez, sorry, to practice my proper Spanish pronunciations. <laughs> He had a talent for capturing the likenesses of people, and so he was always very acclaimed for his faithful portrayals. However, at one point in his life, he was appointed to become the court painter for King Philip IV um, after the other court painter died, and he ended up building a really strong relationship with the king, which also led him to become, in 1652, the palace chamberlain. And so his duties involved advising on the royal art collection, caring for the palace and preparing it for guests. But he also had like an extra role because he had such a close relationship with the king. He aided in facilitating diplomatic matters and also weddings. Um, and so with his appointment first as a court artist and then also later on when he became palace chamberlain, there was a shift in his work. So his early styles were more religiously tinged um, portraits using like naturalistic styles but he also used light to imply a mysterious spiritual quality which to me I understood it as he used more of like the Chiascaro techniques because when we look at Caravaggio's work there's like this I don't know I always think of the one where there's I can't describe it never mind but I always think of it as like a like a ray of light coming in from like outside and it's highlighting one the or like the most important part of the painting which in his case, I think Caravaggio painted mostly religious scenes, right? So that's kind of what Velasquez was also doing in his earlier works. But after he started working for King Philip IV, um, he eliminated religion and allegory to become primarily a portrait, portraitist. And so he was more concerned with the reality of appearances. He humanized the king and his courtiers in his paintings um, with natural poses, but he also kept them majestic, majestic and decorous. And this made his techniques become so different and more acclaimed than any other Spanish court artist. And as he became older also, um, which I think he died in like 1960 or 61, some, somewhere around there. Hold so, on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. He died in 1961. <laughs> Sorry, 16. <laughs> Anyways, he died in 1660. Um, okay. And like, as he was getting older, um, his brushwork also loosened and became very free. And this might have been influenced by his two trips to Italy. Um, and as you'll kind of see, as we talk about like different pieces throughout history, um, especially in Europe, because that's kind of where we see a lot of the I guess, artistic movements arise, um, or at least, I don't know, most of art history focuses on Western works, I feel like. Yes. So. It's the recorded artistic 
movements. Yeah, recorded. Yeah. Oh man, she said. <laughs> um, so his works were probably influenced by his two trips to Italy. And then along with this transition, he also started painting the king's new and young queen, uh, Mariana of Austria, as well as the royal children. And this led to Las Meninas. And another thing to note is this guy, because he was so involved with like his palace uh, duties and stuff, he only made like around 120 paintings in his lifetime. Like, wow. I don't know. I that's, feel like that's not that many. Yeah, I was going to say, that's pretty little. For someone who's such an acclaimed artist. But Yeah. Well, well maybe that was maybe that was the thing back then. I feel like life maybe went by slower. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they did not live as long. Um, also, how big were these paintings? Because if they were giant, I'm like, oh, he basically made like double that. That's a good question. Um, so I know Las Meninas, this was, I have it written down, uh, was 318, or okay, let me say it in inches, in inches, because a lot of our listeners are from the US, but I'll also say in centimeters, because we do have listeners from around the world. Anyways, so Las Meninas is 125 inches approximately by about like 108, 109 inches, or for our non-American <laughs> listeners, 318 centimeters by 276 centimeters. So, yeah, that's quite large. Yeah, it's a fairly big painting. Um, yeah. like- but, I mean, I was still a little surprised that you only had such few works of art. Since- yeah, I mean, if you if you count, like, if he was an active artist for 30 years and he only did four paintings a year. Mm-hmm. Oh, the dream. <laughs> I mean, yeah, back then you had actual patrons. Now we have Patreons. Oh. <laughs> it's a, it's a uh, democratic process, you know? So, guys. D- could they uh, perhaps have left, like, um, tiers back then? Tiers of Patreons? Patrons? Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. Like, nobility were tiered. Like, I'm sure being a court painter was much more worthwhile than being, like, a Duke's painter. And what would be the modern equivalent? Oh, <laughs> Which <yes>. level? <laughs> if there yeah. were the uh, Professor Lama, you know, that's like being a court painter. Mm, mm. So you can be, you, our listeners, can be Professor Lamas. You yeah, and become a court so we can be a court painter. Yes. Okay, continue. I wish this was visual so they could have <laughs> seen that face you were viewing. <laughs> Man, she was very proud of that, guys. <laughs> yes. It's a great analogy. Um, But yeah, but yeah, or sorry. I guess he was just so busy with his other stuff that he was doing since he was appointed to Palace Chamberlain at one point. That makes sense. Um, I don't know why, but I get the vibe that he partied a lot. (laughs) I'm sure he was embroiled in political intrigue, which I think was the, you know, equivalent of partying now. Yeah, when Vartico's like, he, had, he makes strong connections with the king of my life. What type of strong connection? Yeah. Or raising okay. your eyebrows. If you yes. couldn't tell from like the sarcasm. But anyways, um, his, and this is kind of going to beyond like his influence. Um, his work ended up being highly influential to later painters like Manet and the Impressionists who also built on like the foundations of what he started. Um, And some key people that as I was researching, I saw were Pablo Picasso. He was very uh, taken up with Las Meninas. The Cubist genius painted 58 variations on the work in 1957. Can you imagine 58 record. Yeah, 58 variations in one year of the same piece. Oh, no. That's insane. Also, that, I just puts say, in, that, no, also, that also just puts into perspective like how few paintings Diego Velasquez painted, right? Yeah. Like if Picasso painted 58 just of the variations in one year. Okay, okay. But how big were his canvases? Were they as big? That's true, but like even if you were to double his paintings, that's like eight paintings a year. That's whack. 
Yeah. Um, Props to you, Picasso. (laughs) (laughs) We'll come back to you in a later episode, probably. Oh, Um, my gosh. Pablo. My man. (laughs) Really? Your man? No, absolutely not. (laughs) Okay. Um, Salvador Dali, who is also very famous. Um, he, one of his famous works is the persistence of memory. It's like the melting clocks on like a desert type of landscape. But was that not Dali? No, that was Dali. Um, I just wanted to point it out for people who didn't know who Dali was. I feel like a lot of people know who Picasso was or have heard of Picasso, but they might not have heard of Salvador Dali even though they're probably equally as famous, but whatever. Um, Salvador Dali also painted his own homage, homage, homage to the work in 1958 with a piece titled uh, Velasquez painting the Infanta Margarita with with the lights and shadows of his own glory. And he continued to return to this theme, um, painting works inspired by Las Meninas throughout his career. So these two big, uh 20th century was yeah they were both 20th century 20th century artists were so influenced by this one piece that they continued painting um like renditions of it and then also um other painters uh were like john singer Sargent. um i believe he's british um he had a He's a 19th century artist. He, his 1882 oil painting, The Daughters of Edward Darley Boyt, um, is also kind of influenced by Las Meninas. His sergeant's use of space, moving from the dark background to the light foreground, as well as his loose brushstrokes and composition of figures were certainly influenced by Las Meninas. So this one painting, um, and we'll, I feel like I've talked about the background of this guy a lot, but it's so influential, not just to artists, but also like the meaning of the work because there's so many like conspiracy theories, which oh. I'll get into in a little bit. So, yeah, I was about to really, say, go ahead, Matthew, go ahead. Yeah, you really need to explain why this painting is so amazing because I feel like I've seen it, I've seen the images of it on the internet right and it just seems so like mundane to me like there's nothing exciting in my opinion okay right? like, but manchi this is kind of to spill the tea on manchi manchi didn't even Ooh. remember that this was one of our ap art history works that yeah we yeah, yeah. To study fair point fair point yeah that's how little how unmemorable it was in my opinion like there were other <laughs> sets of paintings in the 250 that i thought was much more impactful but like when I see this painting, I really just don't understand what the, all the hype is about. You know, like it's, I don't get it. As it about, I was about to shout when you were like, yeah, these artists were just like obsessed with this painting. It was like conspiracy. It like hypnotizes people. It's cursed. But I see there are conspiracies. So yeah, maybe I it mean, is haunted. There, there's a time travel conspiracy. So what? Please, let's get to it. Okay. I'll, so I'll let me describe. <laughs> Let me describe the painting to people who have not seen it, or I guess maybe they're listening somewhere where you can't pull uh, it up right away. Manchu already said it's mundane. Let's get to the time travel. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, All right. Let me, let me describe the painting. Um, so the painting is set in Velasquez's studio space at the Royal Alcazar of Madrid, which was a fortress turned palace where the king and his family lived. And this is King Philip IV still. Um, hanging on the room's far wall are copies of works by Peter Paul Rubens, who was another favorite painter of Philip IV. Um, at the center of the chamber stands the princess, also referred to as the Empress and the Infanta, Doña Margarita Maria of Austria. Um, and she was the first child of Philip IV and his second wife, Mariana. The princess was Philip's fourth fourth child overall, and she's pictured at the age of five or six. Um, She was Velasquez's, or Velasquez's, or one of his favorite subjects, and per the king's orders, he painted her portrait several times after. Margarita um, is seen as rather angelic. 
her soft golden hair and pink cheeks appear to glow, which reflects the stream of natural light that filters into the picture. Uh, Margarita is one of the few moments of lightness in the entire composition. And I think this is where I was like, oh, this is kind of just, sorry, this kind of draws upon his background with working in Chiascaro. Um, I don't know if that is true, but I mean, it, it probably is like when they say it's the one piece that, or one part of the painting that was so light compared to the rest of the darkness. So I guess he really wanted to highlight her. <laughs> Anyways, directly to the left and right of Margarita are the titular meninas, who are the ladies-in-waiting. So, Sonia, you were kind of right. Yeah, I was about to say, I looked it up, and I think I, I was, like, half right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, they're kind of portrayed as young girls, which, I mean, they might have been because they're waiting on, like, another kid. But, or maybe oh, yeah. they were teenagers. I don't know. Yeah, they, I mean, the lady in waitings historically are supposed to be like they they kind of helped out the person they were waiting on, but they were really meant to be like friends mm -hmm. of the crown. Yeah. So yeah, those are the meninas, um, and they would accompany and attend to the ro young royal in her daily routine, which is what ladies in waitings ladies in waiting do, or did. I don't know. You probably well, what's, exist. <laughs> oh. I was gonna say, well, what's the difference between them and a servant? And I'm like, well, a servant does more of like domestic duties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the lady in waitings, the ladies, lady, the lady in waiting are supposed to be also companions. Like they're just they're not just help. They're also supposed to be friends. Like yeah. um like even the queen, I'm sure I think had a lady in waiting. Yeah, they do. Um, I remember reading, yeah. I think they were historical fiction books, but I mean, still yeah. drew upon history. Um, the goal was to become either one of the ladies in waiting or like the main lady in waiting, because then you would have access to a lot more like power and also just gossip in general, yeah. How <laughs> which toxic. Yeah, which was powerful. Oh, I was talking about like the current British queen, Queen oh. Elizabeth. As of like she, even today, there are ladies and ladies in waiting. So I was gonna say they're not all dead. No, I mean as long as the crown exists, I'm sure the. What about how she's been living so long? She stills the youth. Like they're ladies, they're ladies in waiting. More like sacrifices in waiting. I mean, waiting. Uh, that is a conspiracy theory for sure. Well, she is a lizard woman, according to some conspiracies. Right. Anyway, uh, so would this be like in the old timey way of saying like an entourage? Yeah. Yeah, her positive. Menina's gang. Oh my god. <laughs> Bartiga, that was not that funny. Calm I down, want that, girl. I want that on a shirt. The Menina's okay, gang. Uh, that should be the name of this episode. <laughs> Menina's gang? Okay, yeah, bet. Draw some llamas with like the big ass wigs and like yeah. leather jackets. Like Menina's gang. <laughs> that would be dope AF. So look for that merch, you guys, <laughs> our listeners. Okay, back to the painting. Further to the right stand the dwarf Mari Barbola and court jester Nicolas Partusato, or I guess another name for him would be Nicolasito. And they were part of the royal household. And I think the dwarf that they're talking about, Mari Barbola, Ma Mari Barbola is like that like the one that's right behind the dog that has long hair I honestly thought it was a girl the first time I saw the painting but I think that's the dwarf that they're talking about that's so mean <laughs> get my I mean, thrones up in here <clears throat> uh and it wasn't uncommon sorry going back to the painting it was not uncommon for Velasquez to portray these supporting characters. Um, and there were also actually individual portraits of them hung in the palace. That's Nicolas pretty cute. Yeah. <laughs> Nicolasito rests his foot on the large gentle dog, which some have identified as a mastiff. And I believe a mastiff is um, a large a dog. dog. <laughs> oh. 
just behind the Meninas is a nun named Doña Marcela de Ulloa, who appears to be caught mid-discussion with an unidentified guard. <clears throat> Keep referring back to the painting just so I can see. And the guard is kind of hidden in the dark, like only part of his face is visible, uh, but like you can barely see the rest of his body. To the left, we see Velasquez himself peering out from behind a large canvas. He wears a fine black courtier costume, including a cape and the red cross of Santiago painted on his chest. And this symbol was a marker of his knighthood, which the king bestowed upon him in, in 1659. So remember this piece, um, the red cross of Santiago, and it was given to him in 1659 in real life. So remember that. Um, okay, so the palette is in his hand on the left side of the painting. And so Velasquez's life-size selfie, life-size selfie, basically, um, stares our way as if we were the very subject that he's busy painting, or yeah, busy painting on an enormous canvas that rises in front of him. So it's a painting within a painting, but we can't see the imaginary surface of the painting. So kind of the pretty mind fucky yeah <laughs> i mean that's how you leave it up to the audience's interpretation you know just put a canvas but turn it away from them so it could be anything they see in their minds isn't that like a whole thing though like in like portraits kind of like for the grand old Alaska, like how she's looking at you and people were like "Ooh, i don't like that she's looking at me but that's what makes this painting so different mm, yeah, yeah yeah like i think any painting that really has some sort of like engagement with the yeah. audience yeah it always enthralls people you know yep, yep and i think that's why this is one of like the most talked about works in history um, i mean yeah you have velasquez's attention you have less the the little girl's attention on you and she's the queen you know <laughs> Ooh, are we having to change our heart manji not as mundane not, not as mundane as I thought. I'm coming around to it. So in the center of the back wall stands an open door where a man is either ascending or descending a staircase. And he's also looking towards the viewer. And this is Jose Nieto Velasquez, who was the Queen's Chamberlain. Um, and he also ran the Royal Tapestry Workshop. Um, and lastly, there is a mirror to Nieto Velasquez's left, where we see the backlit reflection of a couple and this is King Philip IV and Queen Mariana. And now this kind of starts going into some of the interesting other interesting things. Um, so based on where the king and the queen are portrayed, it's been assumed that they were standing where we the viewers stand while Velasquez painted their portrait. And so Las Meninas then portrays a moment where the princess and her entourage walked in during the portrait painting. Oh, so they kind of like connected? <clears throat> kind of like yeah. point of view or perspective? Yeah, so it's it feels like Inception. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty dope. All right. All right, Velasquez. Velasquez, no, I'm sorry. Velasquez. The cowboy and me came out. <laughs> Uh, anyways, so others would have guessed the opposite, that the king was dropping by the artist studio, as he was known to do during a portrait session with Margarita. So it's like we're stopping by to look at, or sorry, it's, some people think of it as like the princess and her entourage are walking by while he paints the king and the queen, while others say that it's the king dropping by while he's painting the princess. And a third I think, theory, yeah. I think that second theory doesn't make a lot of sense because the the canvas is painted, like the way the canvas is painted on the painting, it's like facing, it's like the back is facing the king and queen and it's mm -hmm. like kind of parallel to where the princess is. So it doesn't make, in my opinion, a whole lot of sense to position yourself, right? It's always like the subject is like, you know, like in front of the artist, so in theory, where the king and queen are technically, or us, the audience, are situated in relation to the painting. I don't know. I thought of it more 
or let me let me say the third theory first and then oh, okay. I'll say what I thought. Yeah. Um, the third theory says that the princess refused to join the family portrait and so the painting shows her being persuaded by one of the menina to like join it. Oh, that um, makes sense. Yeah, because like one of the meninas, yeah, she's like on her on her knees, like talking to her, and like the meninas or the princess's face is like away from mm. the begging meninas. Yeah, I feel like that humanizes her though. She's like a little kid, right? So she's like, yeah. "Hey, sweetie, please come <laughs> be part of this portrait." Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about how you were saying like um, Velasquez was able to paint them paint the court in a human manner but also keep like their royalty and that makes a lot of sense right it's like a very human moment but because of the lighting and because of the way the maninas is holding her is holding the princess's hand and the way she the princess looks she still maintains grace and poise right but it is a human moment right she's like refusing to join the painting and she's like throwing a mini tamper tantrum but it's just painted in a very nice way (laughs) so Going back to the painting and like the different views, I guess, the three theories. Regardless of all those three theories, um, the presence of action beyond the frame is supported by the gestures and the gazes of the various figures. And we kind of see that like where everyone is looking. Um, So yeah. And another kind of tidbit about the painting is that it was kept in Velasquez's office once it was done, but I mean, I don't know if I already mentioned this, but right now in Spain, it's located in Museo del Prado, um, which is in Madrid. Yes. Wow. In Madrid. Yeah. Uh, worked for the royalty, only made 120 paintings in his lifetime, and had an office. You know, I mean, he was appointed to Palace yeah. Chamberlain, so. And was appointed to Palace Chamberlain. He's living better than modern artist <laughs> he i'm telling you that strong relationship i'm telling <laughs> i'm telling you that strong relationship with the king just you know all those benefits wink wink nudge nudge i guess it was like becoming maybe maybe it was like becoming one of the queen's ladies in waiting but he was the king's man oh, in waiting <laughs> I mean, I'm sure to some degree, like surrounding yourself by art, art, artists and jesters and entertainers was, you know, the equivalent of an inter on of an entourage. So, it's posse. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So, what are some more interesting things about Las Meninas? Yeah. So, let's go into the other interesting things as well as the meaning of the painting. So, one of the big things about this painting is that or I guess it's not big that the artist puts himself into the painting. Um, we see that often in other paintings as well, such as the School of Athens by Raphael. Um, Raphael has fe- featured himself in the painting. So, um, And as I mentioned, Velasquez is featured in Las Meninas, but the big thing about this painting is that he portrayed himself alongside royalty, which I mean, is kind of putting himself at the same level as them, which obviously, I mean, he was not. Uh, some art historians have seen this work, or have, yeah, have seen this work as a way for Velasquez to show off his own importance within the court. By elevating himself beyond the mechanical art of the painting, he was displaying his worthiness. Worthiness. So basically, he was just showing off, like, huh, look at me, how far I've come, that type of thing. <clears throat> so... Portuguese writer Felix da Costa um, saw this painting in 1696, and he said that the picture seems more like a portrait of Velasquez himself than it does of the Empress. And I don't know, I feel like we all, I don't know if you guys agree with me disagreeing with (laughs) Costa, but I think that the focus is still on the Empress because of the way the light is shown or like the light is mainly on the empress herself than on Velasquez he's still kind of hidden in the dark I agree but I feel like the second person I look at is Velasquez because he's like really large and the black kind of contrasts with the white of the Las Minas in front of her I look at the dwarf (laughs) yeah I mean I don't know if just because 
my eye draws this way, but I, I see Velasquez second, I think, after I see the the princess. And but I mean I still see the princess first, so I feel like it's yeah. not a fair argument to say it's a self-portrait more of him than of her. What I didn't even notice him till like you mention it. Let me look at this painting again. Yeah, I don't I didn't even notice him. I just see I see the princess, obviously. Mm-hmm. The other girl going like, girl, please, please be in the portrait. <laughs> Then I see the other two people in the right-hand corner. Then I see that beautiful dog. And then I see the woman in the back, which I'm assuming is the queen. No, that's the nun. The queen and the king are in the little, little mirror. That kind of looks oh, like I a see, window. I see. Yeah. The one I next see. to the door. Yeah, the one okay. next to the door. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't really pay much attention to him. Yeah, I guess we disagree with yeah i think he just was jealous he's like how dare this man show off what i don't have but i mean he was also portuguese (laughs) the last name was oh i mean jealous doesn't know no bouncy rivalry you know back in that day back in my day (laughs) you saw the portuguese spanish rivalry yep you know the line of demarcation or the demarcation line that basically gave only Brazil to the Portuguese and gave the rest of Latin America to the Spanish. Yeah. I watched (laughs) it happen. (laughs) All right. What are some other interesting things about Las Meninas? So remember how earlier I told you to remember the Red Cross of Santiago on Velasquez's chest? And this was a symbol of his knighthood, which was given to him in real life in 1659. Yes. Well, when was the painting completed? Do you guys remember when that was? The painting was... 1950-something? No, Manchi, not 1950 <laughs> Sorry, 16... <laughs> 16... You guys are, I guess, close. But the painting was done in, 16... in 1656. Oh. But this red cross wasn't given to him until 16... 16... Did I say 1656 or did I say 1956? You said 16. Okay. The painting was completed in 1656, but the Red Cross was given to him in 1659. How did Mm. this guy already put it on his chest? Yeah. They could have told him. They could have been like, hey, homie, we're going to give you this. And he was like, dope. Four years? Three years? Yeah, that's how it is. Have you never had somebody say, hey, I have a gift for you. I'm going to give it to you next time I see you. And then they never do till like years years later. later. But yeah, this guy but was he working works for the, the palace. Court. Yeah. They could have told him, like, hey, we're going to give you this. He's like, dope. And then he was like, hey, where the fuck's my cross? And they're like, working <laughs> on it. Working on it. I mean, I think the more plausible theory is that he, he just added it back a couple years later. See, that's, or, yeah. I mean, he died like, in 1960 or 1660, though. <laughs> We'll try that again. He was hinting that he wanted that. He's like, hey guys, I'm going to draw this on me. So you have to make it factual. Oh, that's true. Peer pressure. Yeah. But I feel like homies with the king. Well, you know, maybe he was like, well, I don't want people to think that like, I used our friendship to achieve this. Like, okay. I'll just like softly like suggest it through my art, you know, no pressure. Yeah. But I feel like that's like, that's like putting on your resume that you like went to grad school and you didn't go to grad school. <laughs> well, there was no fact checking back then. <laughs> I mean, if this is like hung in the halls of the palace, then you know, people who know him saw the painting. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway. So, All right, what, what are the theories, Tika? Yeah, with this though, um, Some of the scholars, like you guys said, um, some people think that the Red Cross was added to the painting at a later date based on instructions from the king. Um, However, like another one of our theories, this guy named Palomino thought that the work was originally a part of Velasquez's campaign to achieve knighthood. So he was, Mm. he could have been hinting. He viewed the Yep. He viewed the monumental canvas as an example of the artist's quest for, or sorry, the he I'm talking about is Palomino, this scholar guy. 
He viewed the monumental canvas as an example of the artist's quest for eternal fame, a means of preserving his own name and his connection to the royals. And he wrote, or Palomino wrote, the name of Velasquez will live century to century as long as that of the most excellent and beautiful Margarita, in whose shadow his image is immortalized. So he really did want, I mean, I feel like this is a really strong theory. I don't know that he was hinting like, yo, dude, give me the, since we're homies, give me this. I think it's I mean, time. It's quite aggressive. Yeah. Says a lot about his. Uh, well, remember <laughs> our episode on Flemish uh, still life. Still life. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So it's like aggressive things, but like gently hinting like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, okay. I mean, I'm sure there, like, recent technology would be able to tell us if there was, like, like, like it's able to carbon date the paints, right? Yeah. So, yeah, in modern times, conservators who have examined the painting assure us that there are not two distinct layers of paint. So it was not painted after. So the cross is part of the original painting, which this evidence has led to even more theories. Um, Although most scholars continue to date the painting to 1656, there's someone named, or whose last name is Brown. He has offered an alternate timeline for Las Meninas. He places the painting's creation between November 28, 1659, which is when Velazquez was knighted, and April 1660, when he aided the king on an expedition to the Pyrenees Mountains to meet with the French. Given this, Velasquez would have created Las Meninas over just, or uh, over a period of just four months. And it's argued that Las Meninas was a thank you gift for the king after Velasquez was inducted into the Order of Santiago, which is like what he received the Red Cross for. And this was a supreme honor. So mm. I feel like, I don't know. If it is 1656, then this guy was like, yo, give me this Red Cross, but... If it is later on, then he's just being humble and thanking the king. Yeah. I think it just depends on how seriously you take. Or, like, I guess to me, like, to me, it doesn't seem monumental that he painted himself alongside the royals, right? Mm -hmm. But I I can't see that because we've seen plenty of paintings, right? And it, and also they are not real be- people to us, right? So they don't, like the roi- royalty don't hold the same level of gravitas, right? But maybe because people in the past or like art historians are better able to, I guess, empathize with the situation and like understand that like, oh, it is such a huge deal that he did it. So then it, it might make sense that he is casually hinting because it would be then a really bold move Mm-hmm. for you to paint yourself alongside the royal so who is to say you won't also hint hint wink wink nudge nudge the king into <laughs> giving you the santiago cross the the night the knighthood of santiago right but i don't know but because i don't see it as a huge deal it seems more plausible to me that it's like an adjusted timeline so another um interesting kind of theory that i saw mentioned a lot while i was researching was that the mirror. Um, scholars are unsure if it reflects the real king or queen or a painted portrait of the couple that appears on the canvas that Velasquez is working on. Um, due to the way the artist toyed with perspective in the piece, arguments could be made for either scenario. Scenario. <laughs> Several scholars have gone to great lengths to study the scale, geometry, and perspective of, perspective of Las Meninas. Um, the painting's fourth wall is actually not being broken at all. Um, and this is one of like the, I guess, sub theories. Velasquez was just painting what he saw on a large Florida scale or Florida ceiling mirror, which could explain why so much space in the work is devoted to the ceiling. If you look at the painting, I would say at least 60%. Is that accurate? 60% of the painting is like, Actually, no, no, no. 50%. 50% of the painting, like the bottom 50% is what 
has all the people whereas the rest of it is just the ceiling yeah yeah i agree wait so the theory is saying like where the audience is standing was a mirror i think so i was thinking it of like what the what he's painting on the on the canvas is being reflected on the mirror in the back oh okay i see does that make sense nancy yeah yeah but the sub theory is saying that velasquez was just painting what he saw on a large floor ceiling mirror so if he's that's what he's looking at then he's facing the audience and the mirror is behind him so then how is he painting oh so he's painting us <laughs> no, 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 no. Like I, the sub theory is saying he's painting from a mirror. Yeah. Okay. Right. Which is us. We're the mirror. Yeah, yeah. Which is us. Okay. Oh, so he's painting himself. Oh, okay. Hold on. From the Hold mirror. On. So yeah, yeah. From so a there's mirror. a mirror, and then we're on the other side of the mirror. No, like we yeah? are the mirror. Like basically. Oh, okay. It's like oh, saying Manchi and you are okay. looking at me and you guys are painting yourself. Yeah. Because I... <laughs> okay, I see now. I see. Okay. I did not explain it that well. But does that make sense? Yeah, that's an interesting sub-theory. Yeah. I think it... I don't know. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because then it's like you got... He's facing a mirror. There's a mirror behind him. So then... And, guess you just ignored the because then when you have like a mirror facing a mirror you get that infinite mirror mirror then is he but then i guess in that case if we're the mirror and he's painting himself looking at the mirror maybe that's just a window and the king and the queen are looking are just spying in yeah that's very possible as well because i feel like when we learned this piece back in apr history we were told or this Khan academy told us that that was a window or maybe it did tell us that it was a mirror, but... I mean, I think it looks very strongly like a mirror, but I like your window conspiracy theory. All right. Sorry, Khan Academy. Maybe you did teach us it was a mirror, and I just <laughs> have very bad memory. <laughs> but I think it It makes... could always be... An... Well, you already said this, right? It could always be, like, a painting. He's just shining light on it. It's true. Because there true. are yeah. other paintings around it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, paintings by Peter Paul... No, Peter Paul Rubens. Or is it Paul Peter? Peter Paul Rubens. Yeah, I mean, the reason why I think it does look like a mirror is because I guess the lighting, but also on the border, it's kind of like, um, like it's kind of highlighted. Like it was stuck, yeah. The edges are highlighted, so it looks sort of reflective, right? Like there, mm-hmm. it feels like, like it's reflective. Or it's like, you know how on the modern mirrors, there's like a, beveled edge right like the edges are mm-hmm. like modern mirrors <laughs> well, I'm, like the mirrors we have now i'm sure they why would similar he be painting mirrors. that then because he died in 1961 hmm? yeah. <laughs> all goes back bring to it, it back together <laughs> yeah yeah but i also think it makes sense that like he is painting from a mirror right like mm-hmm. because i feel like a lot of i mean he is obviously gazing right at the audience but the side eye that we're getting from the princess and also like the dwarf is looking directly it looks like they're all looking directly into a mirror like i can see that right because they're also kind of looking past the audience i feel like they're looking at themselves well what if like going back to like the the princess is like throwing a little tantrum like i don't want to be in a painting maybe like the the king and queen are like the quote unquote audience because the because like Velasquez seems like he's really intent on looking at something mm. so maybe he's painting the queen and queen and yeah like that is that mirror in the back like definitely mm-hmm. but that like could be the, but yeah. like the audience isn't another mirror it's just like the king and queen yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so the king and queen are standing where we are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe they're telling their kid to behave. <laughs> yeah, they're like, come over here. You know that, like, stern look parents who like, yeah. <laughs> um, I think they're all valid theories. Yes. With the king and queen, we don't know if they're, and Sahani already mentioned this, we don't know if it's just another painting or if it is a mirror that, like, 
is reflecting them where we are. Um, the use of mirrors and reflections in the painting is most likely due to the influence of Jan van Eyck's Arnolfini portrait. And this was painted in 1434. It's a masterpiece of the Northern Renaissance. Um, Jan van Eyck was a Dutch painter. And so the Arnolfini portrait was actually hung in Philip's palace. So Velasquez would have definitely seen it. And so um, the Arnolfini portrait is something that I want to cover in another episode just because it's so interesting with its use of mirrors and reflections and all the little things that it involves. But it might have influenced his use of mirrors and reflections in his own. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I think that's like when people are saying, you know, great artists always take from other people, right? You take inspiration. Mm -hmm. Like Van Eyck put mirrors in his paintings and he was like, oh, that's a cool idea. I should put mirrors in, our, in my own painting, but it's like a definitely different subject, right? Yeah. And I guess, wait, this is going kind of off topic, but still related to the painting. I mentioned time travel earlier. Um, I think the time travel theory that I was ta- I was going to talk about was, and I didn't mention it directly, but it was related to the Red Cross of Santiago. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, did he kind of foresee himself being given? <laughs> or was he a time traveler and yeah. forgot he had the knighthood of Santiago when he was painting this painting? You know, you know he came back after he got the knighthood and then he painted Las Meninas. And then like while forgot. the real him or the hymn of 1656 was like asleep or something. This guy came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This time traveler came in, yeah. painted the Red Cross, and I guess the other hymn thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. I would be pissed. I'd be like, who the hell touched my painting? <laughs> you did. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, who did this? The, ma- the, the fingerprints matches yours. <laughs> yeah, then, I, then I'd be scared of it, me. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, Am I going crazy? Maybe he was just, I don't know, I was going to say high on drugs or something. He like drug use. (laughs) Probably popular. Or drunk. Yeah. Or yeah, drunk. Or like fifth theory, he did it all to spite that one Portuguese guy. He's like, you know what, man? (laughs) What if the Portuguese guy wasn't even alive when he was? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, okay. this just reaffirms time traveling theory, you know? Yeah, he met him later in life, and he's like, you know what? Screw this, man. Yeah, I'm really like, shit talking me without even knowing it's me. Let me go back and like, boom, boom. <laughs> this this will really make his gears grind. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so to kind of wrap things up, um, as I mentioned, Las Meninas is one of the works that is very much discussed it's considered and theorized over just because of like all the little things of all, sorry, all the little things that are kind of featured in the portrait or painting, but also because the picture plays with the notion of viewing both by viewing, both viewing by the person looking at the painting and the subjects looking out. Um, It doesn't follow the rules of perspective. And so the more people look at it, the more questions arise. And it's been three centuries that we've been <laughs> looking at it. We still don't know the meaning of it. Um, and I mean, we also kind of don't know why this piece was commissioned or why he painted it exactly. So, which lets us also theorize about it even more. Um, and I guess this is the last tidbit about Velasquez. Is It was one of his last works Oh my oh. gosh, that's scary. I mean, he died in 1660, so. Okay, well, are you like a hater still, Manchi? No, I think I've really come around to it. I get it. There's like lots of complexities and layers to opinion. It's interesting to kind of delve into the theories and think about all the different possibilities. It's been a real mm-hmm. fun ride. I'm still very much like, oh, this is pretty painting next, right? But I will say that if somebody were like next to me, or I was at a museum or something happened to where I could like show off like, oh, did you know all this stuff about this painting? Mm -hmm. I would for sure take that chance. But I don't know, I'm not- You're not wowed. I'm not not, like super fascinated by this. I don't think I'll make renditions about it. (laughs) (laughs) 
unless like yeah unless it was like for a joke or something yeah like i don't know it can be like um also like that youtuber nerd writer that you said talked about like how this is the most beautiful painting yeah i'm like no yeah i don't think it's beautiful i think it gives us things to think about but i I think it's very like skilled like it has very 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 good technical skill mm-hmm. like more than technical skill like no like but here's also like my bias with like paintings like this i think they're very like stuffy and like cold i don't really like paintings with like old like attire like this mm. mostly because i think this type of clothing like looks itchy i'm like oh how uncomfortable <laughs> I'm like, how uncomfortable. Let me go look at, like, watercolors. Those look comfy. Gauguin's uh, pictures of a naked Tahiti woman. They look like they were having fun. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Also, like, they're in a tropical area. You don't even need clothes there. Like, (laughs) The artists we're talking about for these naked Tahiti women is... Also problematic. Yeah. Go again. Yes. I like how you whispered it. <laughs> uh, what was I gonna say? I was thinking more like uh, like Van Gogh, like how it was just colorful and like you could see the strokes. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Gauguin. He was Paul Gauguin was friends with Picasso. Yeah, Paul Gauguin Always. is the reason why Van Gogh cut off his ear. Really, I thought he cut it off for his girlfriend. Yeah, and he's they broke up, and he's like, "Here, no, I'm here, here. Me. here." I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's because Paul. It was because when Paul Gauguin left for Tahiti. All right, we're gonna look at this and do this next. Wait, uh, so this man leaves. So this other man just cuts off his ear. They were roommates. They were. Ooh, they were. And they were roommates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink. Okay, that's what I thought, but I, I, I have no idea. All right. Any other final thoughts? Um, no. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, uh, Manchi, sign us off. This is very oh, what? Yeah. You know, this is very Manina's game. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, yes. thank you. <laughs> she, she's been practicing. Yeah. All right, guys. So if you have any stories you would like us to cover, email us at artdramalama at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Instagram and Patreon, which are all under the handle Art Drama Llama. And lastly, thank you for joining us, and we hope we can continue looking beyond the galleries with y'all. Until next time, bye, llamas. Bye, llamas. Mm-hmm.